Are you hesitating to take the next step in your e-commerce journey? Founder Plus has you covered with proven frameworks tailored to your business needs for fast results, a supportive community of over 30,000 like-minded entrepreneurs and weekly live mentorship sessions. Founder Plus is your key to success. Try Founder Plus today for just $1 for seven days and start building your dream business with confidence. You can visit founder.com forward slash start dollar trial or click the link in the description to claim your trial. This is episode number 379 with Brian Kidwell of the Founder Podcast. What you need is thirst. You need to be a thirsty human who is intent on learning. It's a really fascinating fascinating exploration of human potential. Now. 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 The Founder Podcast. Even the greatest entrepreneurs had help. If you want to learn from the most successful founders on the planet, you are in the right place. Branson, Mark Cuban, Tony Robbins, Tim Ferriss, Ariana Huffington, Steve Case, Gary V, Sophia Amoroso, Barbara Corcoran, Damon John. Learn from the greatest minds in business today with interviews hosted by Nathan Chan. This is not your average entrepreneur podcast. The Founder Podcast. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Before we start today's episode, I just want to let you know that our goal at Founder is to help entrepreneurs succeed however we can by giving away high quality content in the form of interviews, blog posts, podcasts, YouTube videos, you name it. We put out so much content to help you. And another interesting project that we're working on right now is partnering with world-class founders like Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills like negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free trainings with founders like this, which is 100% free, just go to founder.com forward slash free. Okay, so now let's talk about today's episode. Hey guys, Nathan here. Welcome back to another episode. Today's guest is Brian Kidwell. He's the co-founder of Scott's Cheap Flights. And out of all the industries impacted by the global pandemic, one that was hit the hardest was the travel industry. Now, despite all this, Brian led Scott's Cheap Flights to have their biggest day in sales history. So listen to this incredible, truly inspirational story on what it takes to enjoy anything as a business. And we really discuss like knowing when to pivot, how to keep team morale high in a pandemic, or when your company is experiencing any kind of adversity and so much more. So without further ado, here is our conversation with Brian Kidwell. So Brian, the first question I ask everyone that comes on is how did you get your job? Okay. How'd you find yourself doing the work you're doing today? Yeah, so I have always wanted to be uh, an entrepreneur, and that's as far back as I can remember. Um, and you know, I'd always have side hustles and things like that, uh, but I could never figure out what the businesses that I wanted to run. I just knew that I wanted to, to start a business and run a business. I think a lot of entrepreneurs have that. Um, and I tried a bunch of things, and after college, I went and backpacked Europe. Um, and I was like, let me, let me get out of where I was. Let me go, let me go try something new. Let me see if I can find some, some business ideas. Um, and so I, I went out there 
And the two things that I kept coming back to is people want to save money and people want travel advice from people that uh, they trust or that have been to a certain location. Uh, and so I came back from that backpacking trip in Europe and set out to start a company in the travel space. Um, and that was basically just a travel community focused on helping people save money. Um, and before I went out to Europe, I bought this ebook called How to Find Cheap Flights, written by my now business partner, Scott Kais. And he sent me an email or he sent you know, his list an email basically saying, hey, for $2 a month, I'll send you cheap flight deals. I was like, wow, this is a, this is a really cool idea. So I bought a couple of those subscriptions and gave them away to my community. And, and Scott and I just kept in touch and realized our skill sets were very complimentary and decided to try a little partnership. And we signed a little profit sharing agreement um, and you know, got the business. That was like November, 2015. And then um, got the business to about $2,000 a month uh, within the next few months. And then February, 2016, uh, we got an article in, I think it was Condé Nast Traveler. Um, we did tw over $20,000 in revenue that month. And that's when we first looked at each other and we're like, wow, like this is, this is something that we can, you know, really grow. Seem like a lot of people are interested in it. So let's double down on this. Um, and so a couple months after that, we launched scottscheapflights.com and have been at it ever since. Um, and that's how I find my, myself here. Yeah, no, that's awesome. So, um, yeah, familiar with the brand. I'm curious, was this your first business or what did you do before that? Yeah. So I, I did some agency work for clients in the digital marketing space in college, but I wouldn't consider any of the, the projects that I started in college, like actual businesses, you know, it's just, uh, just trying stuff, trying stuff, trying stuff to find something. Uh, and then once, once you find that product market fit, you just feel it. You're like, okay, this is, this is it. Like we got to run with this one. Okay. So what did the early days look like of, of Scott's cheap flights? Early on, Scott and I, I think we maybe had two phone calls with each other before we decided to work with each other. Uh, we did not know each other. Um, I was living out in California at the time and he was living in Colorado. Uh, and we just started, started working together and, and, you know, we were just messaging each other on, on G chat. Uh, and then I went and left and lived in Southeast Asia and I would, I would work all day, just like building the website, trying to do marketing stuff. Um, and he would be working all day in Colorado and we would just message each other in the mornings, uh, and at nights and, you know, get things going. And, and over that, over that period of time where I was living abroad, um, the business grew quite a bit and we're like, Hey, we should probably hire somebody to help us out. And so we made a customer support hire. And then the, the team just kind of grew from there based on the, the needs of the business. Uh, and I ended up moving out to Austin, Texas, cause I just wanted some consistent Wi-Fi <laughs> and, and be able to focus on the business. Yeah. Okay. So, um, just diving a little deeper on that, is it true that, that you and Scott actually didn't meet up in person at least for a year? Uh, and, yeah. and you kind of like, like, how does that work? Like to, to have that level of trust for someone that, and starting a business on that you've never met for every year. So I think it worked out okay because the business grew along with our relationship. 
it wasn't a really a business at that point. It was like, hey, there's this uh, side project for us that seems interesting. And that's how we that's how we looked at it. Uh, and the more it grew and the more trust that we had in each other, more, the more we could start treating it as a business and say, hey, let's go let's go file that paperwork. Uh, let's make things official. Let's go hire employees. Um, and so it it happened really organically. Uh, but we did not meet in person for a year. The first time I ever met Scott, I flew out to Colorado. He picks me up from the airport with his uh, now wife and their dog. And we went up and went snowboarding and, and skiing in Colorado. And that was the first time I had ever met him in person. So uh, it was fun. And he was, you know, it's obviously we were a little nervous about it, but uh, he's exactly, you know, who, who I expected from our interactions online and and i think that really solidified our relationship uh and then we just started meeting up a little bit more frequently there on after uh to have some more in-person meetings just for everyone that's watching to kind of bring it forward to like the here and now um now please correct me if i'm wrong but you guys have over two million members paying around two dollars a month correct so we switched away from the two dollar a month model pretty much immediately because what we were finding is Stripe would charge uh, $0.30 cents a transaction plus another 2.9% on top of that. And so you, you lose 15%, 18% of our revenue. So we switched to an annual model uh, very early on. Uh, I think we had quarterly and semi-annual at the time too. But now we just do annual subscriptions, $49 per year for our premium membership. And then we have $199 per year elite membership focused on business class and first class flights. Um, but it's, it's also a freemium model, right? So we have a large cohort of users that do not pay us money. Uh, and then we work on, you know, proving out the value and, and hopefully getting them to upgrade over time. And, and that total member base is over 2 million. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Awesome. And um, so just talk us through, I guess, what, when was the moment that you guys knew this thing was going to take off? Because I think sometimes, you know, it's, it's hard to know whether you keep persisting or not. Was it instant for you guys or, or did it take time to get traction? Scott had been doing this for his friends and family since 2013. And he, he got a fantastic deal to Italy. I think it was Milan. He comes back, his friends and family are like, hey, why didn't you tell me that there's, you know, these amazing deals? And so he set up this email list. And so he had a little bit of product market fit right from the get-go with his friends and family. And that grew organically over time. Um, and when he hit, I think it was the 2000 subscriber mark on his MailChimp account, they started charging him money. And that's when he said, well, I'm not gonna pay money to send out <laughs> flight deals to people. So I wonder if I can you know, make money instead. That's when he started charging that two dollars per month. But um, it was it was super super small in in 2015, uh, and I think it was that I think it was that article where we hit. It was February 2016 where we hit that twenty thousand dollar per month. Where it's like, wow, that's actually enough money to pay salaries. Like we could stop our other jobs at the time and go full time on this, and in the back of our minds, we're like, well, we're not going to have an article like that every month. Like this isn't going to happen every month. 
Um, and we thought it would just go down and like, that would be our new normal is something lower than that. Um, but it's a subscription business. It compounds over time. So the longer that we did it, the more we could see, okay, we're consistently hitting these numbers. We feel more comfortable going all in on this. Um, and I think that that first month of over $20,000 in revenue was like, yeah, we can, we can definitely go, uh, all in on this and, and not do side projects uh, and just focus full-time on it. Have you guys raised capital? And if so, no. can you talk us through that? No. No. So we have not raised any outside money. Uh, we've been profitable since day one. Um, and I can say that because we didn't pay ourselves very much money at the beginning. Like we didn't have salaries or, or offices or anything like that. Um, we, no, we never raised any outside capital. Uh, we have a team of over 40 people now um, and we're completely remote. So <laughs> we did it before the, before the pandemic where everybody had to go remote. Uh, we've been remote since, since day one. Yeah, look, there's a lot to touch on around the pandemic you know, pre and post COVID, but I'm curious to hear as well, just around that decision not to raise capital and what did the, you know, thinking look like there and why and how? I think there's a couple components to it. Um, one, early on, we didn't know what we were building. We didn't, we hadn't done this before. Uh, we didn't know exactly what the next steps were, who we needed to hire. Like we didn't have the playbook. Uh, and so we were just figuring it out step by step. And uh, the money that was coming in was enough to cover our own living expenses and keep hiring people and do everything that we needed to do. So we were more focused on keeping keeping the website up and, and you know sending out deals than we were on trying to go out and raise money. Now, I think there's at any point in time, like we could go out and, and raise money. But my view on that, it's not, I'm not anti fundraising and I'm not saying, okay, everybody needs to bootstrap their business. But I just, I think defaulting to that without thinking through the implications and the need of, of, of the money and what you're going to do with it. Um, I think there's, there's a trap there that people celebrate fundraising and it's like, okay, that's great. But uh, how does that play into what you're trying to do with the business? Are you going to be able to achieve that valuation on the money you just raised? And so not every business can do the way that like do it the way that we did it. I think we were fortunate in a lot of ways. Uh, but I would just say, like think carefully about how you decide to um, finance your finance your business. Yeah, okay, I see. So, when it comes to like, I guess, um, the hack together solution to support your 2 million members, can you tell us about what that looked like and the key things there? Yeah. So fortunately we have an incredible team of engineers and product designers and product managers and, and everything now like full on tech company. Uh, but back in the day when it was just me and Scott, um, it was really duct taped together and this was, <laughs> It was built on active campaign. Uh, we had Zapier automations um, and we had WordPress. And so I was trying to like duct tape those three pieces together so that if something happened on the WordPress site, that would trigger something on Zapier. Zapier would change an automation and active campaign and active campaign would do what it needed to do. And as that scaled, it just, 
it was not sustainable and it would just keep crashing. Um, and a few years in, like I hadn't taken any vacations myself and I finally decided to take a vacation. Uh, I go to New Zealand, got a great flight deal for $533. Um, and I was there at the, the moment I landed in New Zealand, I got this notification that the whole site was down. I was like, Oh my gosh. So I had to figure that out. But fortunately we're in a much better place now, but I think that's, I think that's another thing like early on, you want the perfect solution, but you can get so far with just hacky solutions and, and no code tools. And it's way better now than it was when, when we were doing it. So there's a lot of options out there besides, you know, really hiring out a full-on product engineering design team uh, to build it the way it should be built if it's going to scale. Yeah, look, I, I really respect that. And I think the narrative often is you need to raise capital or you need to build from scratch or you need some kind of custom solution. But yeah, there's tons of off-the-shelf tools that you can use to, to really just get validation and, and keep going to, to, to a reasonable size. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And that transition wasn't easy. I mean, we had we had a ton of tech debt because we did it that way. Um, so there's there's serious cost to it, but I think what it allowed us to do was um, not spend so much time building the perfect scalable solution and spend more time sending cheap flight deals out to our members and and making them happy and starting to build a business and then being able to afford the team necessary to make sure that the technology is scalable. Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying this episode and learning a ton. As you know, in this series, we interview some of the greatest founders of our generation to find out how they did it. However, if you're thinking of starting your own business and you want to hear from some incredible stories from everyday people like you or I who are actually in the trenches, only been building their business for maybe one year or two years, like that are building right now and they're really in the early stages, but they're getting success. You should come and check out our new podcast, From Zero to Founder, hosted by our community manager, Molly Flynn. These are in-the-trenches stories from our very own successful students that have gone through some of our programs, people just like you who are deep within the process of building their very own successful business. These are the founders of tomorrow. You can find the From Zero to Founder podcast on all platforms. And remember, it's founder without the E. All right, now let's jump in the show. Kind of switching gears, um, you know, big elephant in the room, COVID. Uh, like last year, obviously not that many people flying. What did you guys do? Talk us through that to kind of stay afloat. Like, I, I you know, from research, uh, you guys didn't let anyone go. You didn't make any cuts. Um, like you didn't furlough any staff or, or like I'd love to hear kind of what, what did that look like and and talk me through kind of what was your initial thoughts when you have a travel business and, you know, they've stopped travel, no one can kind of move around. They were not good thoughts. Uh, we were at the time, we were just sending international flight deals when COVID hit. Uh, we were only sending international flight deals and deals to Hawaii and Alaska. Uh, so, you know, all departing the U.S. All of those were the first to get shut down. And, and as soon as that happened... Yeah, we were we were scrambling. Uh, we were trying to figure out what to do, and that was that was scary, right? Because you don't you don't know what's going to happen. And, and Scott and I would always 
chat and be like, oh, I wonder, I wonder how our business would do during a recession. You know, like it seems like it would probably hold up okay, but uh, I'm we're just curious how it would be. We didn't want like a, a pandemic, you know, and and that sort of recession. Uh, that's a whole nother level of of challenge. So we we talked, we we strategized, we had to you know calm down and and figure things out. And um, I think there was like two angles: one, we had to do right by our customers, and two, we needed to do right by our employees. And so on the customer side, um, we we introduced a pause feature. So if folks wanted to pause their accounts um, for you know up to six months, we didn't know how long this thing was gonna last. We launched that feature very quickly. Uh, we introduced domestic deals so that people could still uh, fly around domestically. And we also thought, hey, once this is over, if people are staying at home, like the first people that they're gonna wanna go see are their family. And how do you do that? Domestic deals. And then I think on the, the, I guess the other piece there too, is we launched some newsletters. We wanted to keep the, uh, the excitement about travel there. Uh, and so we launched one around uh, destinations. So highlighting different destinations around the world and, and keeping the travel excitement alive. Uh, and then the other was, was travel advice. So it's fast moving, you know, this country's shutting down, this one's opening up. And, and we wanted to guide our members through that and help them to the best of, of our ability. Um, and so we launched both of those and that all went over really well. Our members, uh, stuck with us. Uh, we, we actually were only down 5% uh, in terms of revenue from 2020 to 2019. Um, and a lot of that was, you know, thanks to the amazing team, the amazing customers, like, uh, we, we ended up selling multi-year plans. And so we would say, okay, for, for X amount of dollars, um, we'll give you five years of a premium subscription. And it was like the biggest discount that we'd ever done, but what it contributed to was the biggest revenue day in company history in the middle of a pandemic. And so we got through that pretty well and put us in a great spot uh, in 2021 to start ramping up our advertising. So that went well. I think on the, the employee side, obviously everybody is scared. And, and you know, you're now working in a travel company in the middle of a pandemic and, and everybody went from, oh my gosh, you work at Scotch Cheap Flights, how cool is that? To, oh my gosh, you work at Scotch Cheap Flights, are you okay? And like, that's not a good experience for our employees. And so, um, you know, Scott and I came out and said, hey, before anybody else at this company is affected, uh, we will drop our salaries down to $1. The leadership team will cut their salaries down uh, we will, you know, do an across the board pay reduction. Um, we'll cut benefits, like whatever's needed before we let anybody go. So we just wanted to make it very, very clear, like stick with us. We got work to do. We're financially going to be okay. We're going to get through this. And yeah, it fortunately it worked and, and, uh, we got through it in a really good spot. The product on the other side of this is incredible. And, and, uh, I think our members have been, you know, super excited about traveling, uh, recently. So, um, I do not something I would recommend a travel company in the middle of the pandemic. Yeah. But like, I guess it's, it's one of those things, like you just never know and you kind of got to control the controllables. Yep. 
that's the that's the hardest thing is this the that the burden of the unknown just weighing on you every day and i think like that was one of the best moments is when we saw the our like mrr ar dashboard you know start to clip up in the other direction like when it flatlined we're like yes okay we got uh we're at least not losing our recurring revenue right now. But then when it started going the other direction, uh, I felt so good. It felt so good. We gave everybody bonuses for like, we did it. No, that's awesome. So yeah. I'm curious kind of, so last year around March, 2020, that's kind of when the news broke, stock yep. markets crashed. It was like this kind of feeling um, that no one knew what was going to happen. You know, I found it, we saw like, um, our revenue drop, um, you know, I saw some crazy things like, you know, we, we have an online education platform, you know, there, there were, there were customers that would come to us and say, Hey, I bought these courses three years ago. I want a refund because they were just trying to people, people were really scared and they didn't know what was going to happen next. So people were doing crazy things to protect themselves. Um, and we actually honored all that stuff, like, and we ended up being okay. But I'm curious, like, for you guys with a subscription product in the travel market, much lower tier, right? So, like, did you have a lot of churn during that time period? And when did you see that start to stop? Yeah, so our our churn metrics have typically been very healthy, but during COVID, they went up quite significantly, um, and yeah, we would have people emailing in for refunds outside of our refund policy. And it's like, yeah, like give them their money back. You know, <laughs> like uh, I try, you try to be a good person and, and do what's right. Um, and you can't, like not every policy you write can, can accommodate all of the situations. So um, we saw, I think it was about a year I think it was March, 2021, when that started to go back uh, to normal. And yeah, it would have been, it would have been interesting uh, if it just kept going, right? Like if it was, if it was two years for us, that would have been very, very challenging. So you guys did some really smart things like during that time period to kind of help your existing members. I know you helped like them get, more like you help them with refunds on the other side which was with the airline so you kind of championed yeah. the user not so much the travel industry and and the cheap flights so can you talk us through some other things that you did during 2020 to kind of ride a, a, and battle this storm we have a team of folks at the company and externally we call them our flight experts like they are keeping an eye on on airfare prices uh they know all the intricacies of of airfare and airlines and the rules and everything and, and so does my business partner scott um and everybody was just kind of had questions they didn't know what was going on there was changes and so that's what led us to launch that newsletter the advice newsletter so we could do that at scale because i think it just started with scott responding to people on twitter because one of the airlines was doing something really shady and they wouldn't give people their money back. And we're like, no, like that's that's actually illegal. Like you have to give the money back. And, and so we, we would coach people through um, 
those conversations, their rights, um, and and make sure that they they got their money back. And a lot of people did, which was which was good. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And talk us through kind of the leadership piece, like leading people through an uncertain time. Um, you know, as leaders, that you you will experience adversity at some point in time in any business, right? This was a really tough, unexpected time. But can you talk us through that and your mindset and how you kind of led your team? Yeah, um, let's just say I didn't have gray hair before 2020, and now I, I see some gray hair coming in. Um, it was incredibly challenging because you want to stay positive, but you're going through the same thing as everybody else. And so um, the the benefit, right, is that I know our company numbers. I, I know the financials. Um, I know that we're going to be okay. Uh, and I tried to try my best to communicate that to people. And I think that's why we, we set up things the way that we did around saying, Hey, like we will, we will be impacted before you will be impacted. Um, cause we wanted to reassure the team that it would be okay. Um, and I think early on too, there was internal uh, recommendations around around pivoting away from flights. It's like, well, we don't know when flights are going to come back. Maybe we do something in the RV space, or maybe we do something in the road trip space. Um, and ultimately, like, we decided to just keep building for the long run. We made the bet that people, like, people would fly eventually, you know, and, and we have a lot of work to do. So let's focus on, on that work. Um, and keep keep tracking along. I think one of the things that we did okay at um, sometimes and, and could have done better at though is, is telling people it's okay to take time off. Um, when you take time off and go on vacation, I think it's easier to say, oh yeah, I'm taking time off. I'm gonna go here, here, and here. But it was hard for people to take time off when you're just not doing anything or you know, you're, you're staying in the same city or you're staying in your apartment but you mentally just need a break. And so sometimes we would encourage people to do that. And then other times we would forget, you know, so we, we could have been more consistent about the messaging to the, the team that, hey, like take this time off, you need to be uh, mentally there, uh, you know, 100% and, and we want you at your best. So uh, use, your, use your PTO days, you know, but I think, yeah, I think it was challenging. I, I don't think uh, we did it perfectly but we did the best that we could and I, I don't know how you can uh i don't know how you can prepare for something like that no you can't um it's just one of those things where you just kind of play the hand you dealt do the best you can and look you got you guys yeah. did sounds like you did do a really good job like yeah. you let anyone go um it sounds like the company's getting back on track um yeah. before we talk about kind of where you guys are at now i'm curious to know just around that shiny object syndrome piece, like you said, when this happened, there was talks around pivoting the business and, and you know moving into other categories and markets. Um, how did you kind of maintain that focus and what did your decision-making process look like um, to kind of stay focused on on what you guys are doing, even though you didn't know what the future would hold, 
Um, did you, you know, from a financial side, map out your runway, your burn rate, and then like talk us through kind of can we go a bit deeper there? Because I think um, during times of adversity, sometimes I think the natural extension or the natural thing that people do is like, oh, well, let's do this or let's change it if it's not working or, or let's do this, let's do this because it's kind of you just want to fill the hole or solve that problem straight away, like straight away. Yeah, there was definitely that urge. And, and that, once again, that was the hardest thing is the uncertainty. And we're, we want to do something. We don't want to just sit there and hope for the best. Um, and so, you know, we got creative with some of the, the products that we built, but we ultimately didn't pivot because I think we needed to remind ourselves of how difficult it is to find product market fit and how difficult it is to build products like that, that customers want and will pay for and how long it took us as a business to get to where we are. And so you don't just snap your fingers and launch a new product and, and everybody loves it. Like these things take time. They take years to iterate on and, and uh, perfect over time. And so, you know, we, we thought about, we thought about that and realized that's probably not the best bet in the long run because we have product market fit. We have a great member base. We have customers that are still signing up for our subscription during the pandemic. Like people were still paying for this, um, still renewing. And we looked at all that and said, Hey, look, let's look at our financial model. Let's, let's look at the runway, like you were saying. And we mapped it out and we're like, okay, well, yeah, we, we can get to the end of this. If it takes 24 months, it's going to suck, but we're, we're going to get through it. And on the other end of that, when people are ready to fly again and travel again, we are going to have an incredible product. And that's what we were trying to stay focused on is what do we want to be by the end of the pandemic? Like, like, what do we want for our customers? And, and most of that was around that push around domestic flights. Like we wanted people to go travel and, you know, visit their families that they hadn't seen in a year. Yeah. Love it. So kind of on that note, like fast forward to today and now, how is the company looking? Um, kind of, can you talk us through the future and, and how are you guys tracking right now? We came out of 2020, uh, 5% down with revenue um which was which was great and then as soon as as soon as we started turning the corner um i think in february or march we started hiring again um in january we started spending on ads just to start ramping up to try and um make sure that when when the vaccines rolled out everything and people were ready to travel again we could ramp it up even faster um so the business is looking great right now i would say we're on track to double our recurring revenue since the beginning of the year uh which is which is fantastic um but it's also there's there's been uncertainty this year right like there's the different variants and and there's different uh like it changes the public sentiment and we can just see it in our numbers and in travel industry numbers on like okay, like when this variant comes out, like the public sentiment goes down and that's going to impact our business and how much, you know, we can invest in growth and all of these things. So we're, we're trying to understand that and project it out, but it's, it's difficult. <laughs> you, you can't get it right every time. 
Yeah, no, but look, that's that's a pretty impressive result for for a company in this industry, in the industry you're in, to to be growing off the back of this thing. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's that's amazing. So yeah, look, let's wrap with a fun story. Can you tell us around how you guys got in touch with the journalist and that got you guys to ten thousand dollars a month in the early days? Oh, uh, so I. <laughs> You never know like what things you do are going to work out. And so you, in the early days, you're just like putting a lot of effort in a bunch of different directions and, and kind of like a shotgun approach. Right. And I would just cold email people and, and try and get us press. But this I, I'm blanking on her name, but this journalist had mentioned Scott or or his ebook or something in some random article. And I found out about that. And I could not find her email, but I, I hunted it. I couldn't find her work email. I hunted down her college email address and emailed her there. And she responded. And that led to this article about what we were doing. And that just sent so much traffic. Um, it was that Condé Nast uh, Traveler article. It sent so much traffic. I, yeah, I think it was like a $10,000, $20,000 a month. Uh, and it was it shocked me like how, how powerful just uh, one person's actions could be, you know, one article and just boom, that many more people just coming in the door uh, and finding out about it. And then you have the trickle down effect of now they're telling their friends and those friends are signing up. And so you have that momentum. It was, it was a fun experience. Yeah, no, that's a great story because um, I've personally never had that much experience with uh, doing well with press, but yeah, you do hear these incredible, crazy stories where press can work really, really well. Yep, very hit or, hit or miss, I guess. Yeah. So look, uh, we'll work towards wrapping up. We're going to do something we call the hot seat round, where we ask okay. for a thirty-second kind of responses. We've got four questions for you. Okay. All right. All right. Where's the one travel destination that uh, you haven't been to that you'd love to visit? Tokyo. I want to go. I want to enjoy some sushi. I want to ride, you know, the go-karts around the city. I want, like, it just, I want to experience the culture too. Like, it just seems so, I guess, different for, for, from my perspective and, and so unique. And yeah, I'd love, I'd love to just experience it and go out there for at least a couple of weeks. And I heard there's some good snowboarding out there as well. So I'd love to check that out. Yep, that's on my list too. Um, what's the one thing about the travel or airline industry uh, that people don't know about? Basically what our business is built on is how often flights, flight prices fluctuate. And there's no it just, oftentimes it just doesn't make sense, uh, for, for your average person. Like you think that, um, a flight from, you know, one location to another location would be more expensive, more expensive because it's further away, but that's not how it works. (laughs) And, and, you know, there's different hubs in different places and all of that complexity is what allows us to find great deals uh, consistently. And then sometimes airlines make mistakes and price their flights like way lower than they're supposed to be. Um, and that's how you get some really killer deals. Um, and, and those are a lot of fun. So that's, that's what I would say there. What's the craziest deal you've ever had on like, or be not like 
got and 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 been on for a flight the best one that i would say isn't something that we sent out um to our members because it was it was from taipei taiwan uh to the city that i like my home city in in california and scott found it and he's like hey i know you're in southeast asia right now maybe you want to come back for uh for the holidays here's this deal it was 176 dollars round trip that is nuts it's it's absolutely nuts so i booked it and i only i only took the first leg i just came back i i didn't go you know i didn't take the full round trip flight uh but that deal was amazing yeah that's awesome um Last question, if you could have dinner with one entrepreneur, dead or alive, who would it be and why? I'd, pro- I'd probably go Elon Musk just to, you know, just to ask him some questions about uh, what he sees for the future. Because I think he, I think you could say what you want about him, like he's got his problems and, and there's a lot of things that you could not like about him. Uh, but he's playing at a whole different level than so many other people uh, and building incredible products along the way. So uh I want to talk to him about that. Awesome. Well, look, uh, thank you so much for your time, Brian. We'll wrap there, but that was a great interview. Thank you so much, man. And congratulations on all your success. Thanks. I appreciate it, Nathan. Hey, guys. I hope you enjoyed this interview. As you might already know, our mission at Founder is to help tens of millions of people every single week with our content either start or grow their business which is exactly why we're partnering with world-class founders such as Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills such as negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free exclusive trainings, please go to founder.com forward slash free. These are 100%. We go super in-depth on teaching a particular topic and I know that you're going to love them if you enjoy this podcast. So just go to founder.com forward slash free. All right, guys, I'll see you in the next episode.